Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions podcast, all about mental health, coping techniques and an insight into how different people cope with different mental illnesses. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 4. This week's been a bit of a turning point for me because the world has started to slightly go back to normal. I had my first COVID vaccination and I know that some people disagree with the whole getting vaccinated thing, but for me it's a point personally where I'm beginning to hope that life will start to go a bit back to what it used to be like not totally because I think my life has become a little bit simpler over the past year or so and I'm quite happy for it to stay that way to be honest secondly I'm starting to get my shit together with my fitness those of you who follow me on the at stress sessions Instagram account will know how much I love my running I'm part of a group called run talk run and I'm basically the leader for the Milton Keynes group there's hundreds of them around worldwide they're in Australia Dubai Scotland all over the UK and they're designed to create a safe space for people just like you and I to talk about mental health without any judgment and I think they're bloody amazing alongside that I've started doing my 16 week marathon training plan which will end with me running the London marathon in October this year and in between that I'm running the Brighton marathon and the Milton Keynes half so you will see me And hear me talking about my progress on that quite a lot over the next couple of months. I've also started to be happy with not doing anything and giving myself not such a hard time for not doing things as soon as I think of them. Because usually I have to kind of react to things as soon as they come into my head. One thing that I do need to change though is editing these podcasts. I'm sitting here again on a Sunday evening at 8 o'clock in the evening, like I've said. And this thing needs to be up tonight. If there's anyone out there that has any tips on time management with stuff like this, then please feel free to give me a DM on Instagram because this always seems to happen to me on a Sunday. So to this week's guest, he's a whole lot of fun. There's prizes to be won. Yes, I'm speaking to the legendary radio DJ and Funhouse presenter, Pat Sharp. If you've not heard of Funhouse before, look it up. It's a game show from about 30 years ago. And it was bloody brilliant. It's it, Yeah, it was great. Anyway, let's get going. Here is the Stress Sessions with the amazing Pat Sharp. Hey, Pat. Hello, Luke. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, sorry I'm a couple of minutes late. No, that's fine. I guess to kick mm-hmm. this off with a... It's going to be an interesting question to start off with, really, considering you're a DJ. What's the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? Each Baby by the First Class, which you won't know because you're far too young, but it was out in about 74, 75, and it's um, the most feel-good pop song you'll ever hear about people just hanging around and getting it on the beach, so to speak. <laughs> uh, beach Baby, <laughs> Beach Baby, give me a hand, give me something that I can remember. Just like before, we can walk by the shore from July to the end of September. It's just all about the summer and the sunshine and the fact that he meets his old high school girlfriend again. So it's uh, it's, it's a great pop song, really uplifting and um, 
makes everybody feel happy. I'm gonna have to check that out because I, I, I'm pretty sure that I've heard the lyrics before, but I don't remember the name of the song, which is yeah, pretty okay. bad to be honest. But I'll check Not it out. So to kick off, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, yourself, and what you do? Well, my name is Pat Sharp, and I was born at a very early age. I went to school at 11, was always home by 12, generally sent home for being naughty, but no. Um, <laughs> I pretty much, um, as far as I'm concerned of being being young anyway, always wanted to be a DJ. And to this day, I'm probably better known for presenting the kids' TV show Funhouse than broadcasting on the radio, which is not unfair because I, I take the accolade of, of the kids' telly thing for a decade that a load of people find is just really good. And I get people coming up to me who say, this amazing phrase, I get these big burly guys at gigs come up about six foot five. They go, yeah, right, Pat? I go, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. And they go, you made my childhood. And I look at them and go, well, that is probably just as well, isn't it? And um, and we take it from there. But uh, it's just a really nice thing. So main interest from being young, getting into radio, but then eventually found my way into TV from radio and uh, became better known probably, as I say, because of the kids' TV show Funhouse, which led to various other things, but mostly radio, mostly voiceovers, um, uh, DJ work, live gigs. Uh, I have a production company that makes music imaging for radio and TV. I did The Jungle in 2011. I've done loads of other reality shows, but that's probably the biggest one. And um, I now write a, uh, a column for uh, the Daily Star on Sunday. And also I had a book out a couple of months ago as well, which was a spoof memoir and autobiography, uh, Rerun the Fun, My Life as Pat Sharp. And I made some charity records, been in the charts five times, raised £300,000 for Capital Radio's Help a London Child. And one of the few people who's presented and sung on Top of the Pops. I was going to mention your Top of the Pops like presenter role because I that was that was a little bit before my time but I I do, I do remember that well from people that have presented it in the past your name did jump out straight away and I was like of course Pat Sharp's presented it like you know you're just a bit like I knew that I knew that you'd done it but I wasn't even alive at the time which is yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah for, for me the um the fun house is 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 the is the one for me because I, I think I was about I must have been in my sort of pre, I think it ran from when I was born until I was about 10. So it was kind of like, I kind of grew up with it as a, as a child. So that was kind of the thing that stuck for me. But then I've heard you on the radio a lot because you've been on BBC, you've been on Heart. You've, you've yeah, you've done a lot of kind of really great stuff. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I've kind of grown up with you. So it's been really, really nice. Oh, thank you. Well, what age are you now, may I ask? I'm 31 now. So getting on a little bit. Okay. So I've got a son who's 31, I've got a daughter who's 29, I've got another son who's 34, and uh, the eldest, Nicky, he kind of really remembers Funhouse really well, the other two, not so much. So you're pretty much on the cusp of the Funhouse generation, I would say, Luke. Yeah, and do you know what? It was um, so fun. The, the two sort of programmes as a kid growing up that stand out to me were Funhouse and Gladiators, and I always used to watch them at the weekend, and that was just my... Um, yeah, my go my go to as a child. So yeah, thank you for the nice memories. It's really, really, really great. Wow, you're very kind. And um, I was always much stronger than Wolf and Hunter. So bear that in mind. And, <laughs> and it was a lot more fun as well. But what in the name, yeah. obviously. But <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the clues in the name. I mean, you know, people say to me now, "Oh, you know, the house you live in is it is it fun?" <laughs> oh God, <laughs> really? 
And they also think that I live with the twins to this day. They think that me and Melanie Martina still live together. I say still, we never did. They think that we live together in a fun house with a ball pond. So just to clear up any discrepancies, you do not live with the twins for a fun house? No, I don't. They're in the boot. <laughs> They're in the boot. Do you still keep in contact with them at all? Very much so. Actually spoke to them both today. Yeah, yeah we seem oh, quite well. Wow. We do we do quite a lot of gigs together and um, I get loads of mentions in the book and they had a couple of mentions in the first column in the, in the star on Sunday. So the twins are very much a big part of my life. Uh, been friends with them since they were 16 and I was 26. They arrived at the TV show when we first made it with a chaperone because they were under 18. So they had to have somebody oh, looking wow. after them. They were literally Blimey. kids. So, um, but they're lovely girls and we're, we're, we're great pals. And, um, you know, to this day, it's, it's really nice that we, whenever we, we see each other, it's, um, it's a strange thing, but we can literally just hit it off, even if we haven't seen each other for many, many years. And if we work together and we haven't worked together for a long time, everybody knows when to speak, when not to speak, when not to talk over one another and everything. We just have this sort of instant buzz where we know each other so well. It's so lovely that you kept in contact with them as well, because obviously like that was, I guess, their first big gig. You're probably one of your first big gigs as well. well so it's really nice. You that... know. You say that it wasn't. They had done a lot of child acting. They'd been in commercials. Oh, really? They'd been in Annie on stage, all sorts of things. And actually, during the first season of Funhouse, when it went out in 1989, they also uh, had a little role. Actually, both of them, this very small role, only as extras, but they did appear in the first um, Batman movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Oh wow. Blimey. Where they That's, played the um, part of, are you ready for this? The Funhouse Twins in the Batman movie in 1989 were prostitutes. No, as, as 16-year-olds as well. Well, they, they, they dressed them up, but the, the, the son picked up on it. It said, Funhouse Twins are hookers. They oh, ran a story blimey. on it. Oh, God. <laughs> there was literally a passing <laughs> shot with, you know, they didn't have labels on them saying they were prostitutes, but it was a passing shot of some women who looked like ladies of the night uh, at the train station. And they were they were two of the people. So there you go. But um, no, they'd done lots of other uh, really good uh, jobs before they got the job on Funhouse. But that's the one that's probably made them the most uh, famous, as Alan Partridge would say. <laughs> and before we kind of talk properly about mental health is there anything because it's obviously a mental health podcast but is there anything in your life that makes you particularly anxious and I ask that because you you're in front of a camera a lot you are in the newspapers a lot you speak pretty much I guess daily on the radio so is there anything that does make you anxious do you know what it's strange but I think um the older you get no, there's literally nothing. I think the only thing that's made me slightly anxious lately, and it's good to be on this podcast for that reason, is lockdown. And there'll be many people listening now who probably think, yeah, you know. But my glass is always half full, Luke, and I don't mean necessarily of wine because I don't actually drink alcohol. What I mean is I'm on the positive side rather than the negative side. So if things aren't going particularly well, I just get on with it. I go and wash my car or take the dog for a walk or just do something normal. That's what I do all the time. I just do normal things. I'd never take my car to a car wash. I'd always wash it myself. I'd never hire a dog walker. I'd always walk my dog myself. I just do normal things. And if you do normal things, they will bring you back to any type of normality that you might be missing if you're anxious. So it's always a good thing to do. Keep your glass half full. Always look to the future. Always be positive, And eventually things will turn out for the good. I think that's why this lockdown has been particularly good in a way as well. I mean, it's not been good for a lot of reasons, but I think that it has been good in terms of people have had to simplify their lives. So you, like you've just said, washing your car, 
potentially totally, going yeah. out for a walk. I think that this might have actually helped some people in a way because they would have had to simplify their lives. No, you're absolutely right there. And uh, and people who were so into busying themselves, going everywhere, doing things, got to do that, I've got to do that, I've got to earn that, I've got to have that money and I've got to have this and then I've got to have that holiday and I've got to get that car. Just calm down, just relax a bit, just be grateful that you're, you're well, that you're not one of the statistics of the, all the people who've you know lost their lives or been terribly ill with this. Just um, you know, be be happy with your lot so to speak and get on with what you have and then eventually some of those other things will come back and then when things do come back everything is going to seem an an incredible bonus in life you know the thought of a holiday and actually i think all the time about lying down on a sun lounger and feeling the sun and actually just going "Ah, i mean i can't wait for that but that's you know that's small time in life because, you know, with the other things that people have got going on in their lives, if that happens and I get a chance to do that, brilliant. But if not, then just get on with it. Carry on walking in the rain and the cold and get yourself through the day that you've got to live with for the moment. And you've kind of mentioned kind of going on holiday and stuff like that, but is there anything that you do personally? And this, again, looking at it from a mental health perspective, a lot of people kind of have go-to coping mechanisms if they're feeling slightly down or if they're not in a great mood. Have you got anything that you go to that you'd say that you do when you're in a not so great mood? That's a good question. I I don't know. It's not often that I'm not in a great mood. Um, I guess there are some things that, uh, you know, cheese me off like anybody, but um, what do I do? I suppose apart from doing the normal things that I've already mentioned to you, I would, probably i'll probably take my car for a drive i quite like driving my car and i've missed driving my car because i used to drive it a lot for work and put on loads of miles doing all my gigs all over the place and um you know almost got sick of it for because i i uh, was driving so much and now i've driven so little i think i've put in one tank of petrol since like the end of november and um I miss the car. So quite often um, I do I do feel like if I could uh, alleviate some stress or some uh, anger, I would probably just go for a drive and feel how grateful I am to be in a nice car because I've got, got a great car and I worked hard to get it and uh, I just love driving it. Sometimes I, I, I'm happy just to drive nowhere for the sake of just being in the car. And what car have you got? Uh, it's a four-wheeled one. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Oh, I don't Wait. want to tell you what car I've got because it'll sound a bit snobby, but um, it's it's a nice car that I worked very hard for and my dream car that I always wanted. So there you go. But it's oh, well, it's also ca- it's also coming up three years old, so it's got an MOT due. So it's not. Uh, it's, I didn't buy it new. I bought it secondhand, and uh, it sounds. Vroom, vroom, vroom. It's the uh, the opposite of uh, what the world should be going towards. It's uh, very noisy and big engined and sporty. It's good because you've worked towards it and you deserve it because ultimately you've, well, you've put the effort in to get to that point where you're in a position to buy it. So no, fair, fair play to you because I think that's that's what a lot of people are constantly working towards, something that they really, really want to sort of get to that they're going to enjoy. And mm. no, that's, that's, that's really good that you've kind of linked in something that you've been aiming towards and have, and have achieved. And that's, I guess that's your passion now. Can you go out and drive, yeah. drive it when when you want to sort of cheer yourself up but it's um, yeah also also it's uh sorry to interrupt you i was just going to say that it's um, 
it's a it's a machine and a tool that I use for my work. So when I am traveling and I am doing all my gigs and going all over the shop, I feel okay and I feel good about getting in there at half past two in the morning and realizing I want to drive 160 miles to get home because I think, do you know what? I don't mind because I'm in my car and I like my car. So let's go. So therefore, it, it's all... Um, it's all sort of beneficial to me and my mindset that it's worth working and driving that far to get there, doing my job really well, and then getting back in it. And then you feel good about your car because that's your tool that you've been able to earn and get from your job. And this is slightly off topic as well, but you, you seem like a pretty fit and healthy guy. You're, you're in good shape. Do you use exercise as a kind of form of making yourself feel good? Or is that not something that you do? No, I suppose I do, but the exercise I use is walking. It's um, it's all down to dog walking. I always walk my dog every day, and at the moment, this as we're speaking now on on March the first, I've just started my ten thousand steps a day. I mean, I do about twenty five thousand a day. So to do ten thousand a day for oh, charity wow. was a doddle for me. Um, I uh, I'm not a gym bunny. Um, I play a bit of tennis and stuff like that. But um, you know, when when I found out that there was a, a, a fundraiser, these boots are made for walking, and um, Cancer Research was asking people to walk ten thousand steps a day for thirty one days in March, three hundred and ten thousand steps in total, which is about just over hundred miles. I thought, absolutely, why not? I do that anyway. So I might as well raise money. So I've already raised like nearly two and a half grand for the charity, and I started my wow. first, uh, you know, my first ten k steps not 10 10k but 10,000 steps um as opposed to 10 kilometers um and I started that today and I'll easily uh, do that by the end of the month so yeah I, I always walk minimum probably an hour and a half to two hours a day unless I'm really really busy and don't get the time or I'm stuck on a plane or you know or in the car and then can't do it but then even then I'll probably get out and do it when I get to my destination just for the sake of it so not fitness fitness to uh to be mr muscles but certainly to um always have fresh air and be outside i'd rather do that um, i've got a mountain bike so i go out on the mountain bike i'd rather do that than have a you know a um what they call pedal or pedal pedal thon i can't remember what they're called those um those bikes uh, yeah. yeah 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 um my son-in-law's got one i forgot the name of it now Peloton, there you go. Oh, I'd rather Peloton, be, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather be outside on my actual bike in the air and in the mud and come back and have to clean it and spray it off than be on a Peloton because that's just sitting indoors. I appreciate they look good fun and everyone's on video and it's all modern. Same with going to a gym. So my exercise is always outdoors, uh, whatever the weather. And uh, yeah, that does, I think, probably without knowing it, probably relieves some of the the stress and always makes me happy to get back and then sit down in front of the computer and I feel a bit better than just sitting there all day having endless coffees, you know? Yeah, I mean, 25,000 steps. If you're doing that, that's that's impressive. I, I don't do that. <laughs> I probably do about 5,000 a day, I'd say. I try, I try and get out for a walk most lunchtimes in between like just have a break in work sort of thing but no that's impressive um yeah well done well done for that because yeah, i've I linked i've I linked the it. fitbit i've linked the fitbit up to my um to my donation page for my uh my fundraising oh, okay. walk so it, it uh it shows the steps each day so anybody who's donated will see that i am the real deal and i'm not letting them down is there like are you against anybody for that challenge so are you up against other people that are competing in that or is it just you that's nope. doing it no 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 uh, just okay. my own thing and uh, I'm not chasing anyone, trying to be better than anybody. I'm just getting my own donations in, and uh, the money goes straight to the charity. It's already gone. So uh, people have been really generous, and um, 
lots of people like uh, Chris Tarrant donated um, 100 quid and um, various other people. It's all on the page there with his name and various other people um, uh, who I've worked with and have worked with. My contemporaries are, are all donating as we speak. And if they haven't already, then they should. <laughs> I was going to say as well that if, if it was, if you was in a challenge against anybody, I'm sure you'd be winning with, with that sort of set rate per day because it's it's pretty impressive. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in a challenge because then I'd feel even I'd probably end up being stressed trying to get more steps in and do yeah. it. So all I do is I take the dog for a walk. When we finished, you know, my Fitbit suddenly vibrates and I see that I've done over ten thousand. And then today I'm I'm at like eighteen thousand and I'll probably do another walk after dinner, which will take me up nearer twenty five. So it, it's um it's easy to do and anybody who gets a chance to to walk and uh, benefit their own, you know, well being and fitness from it and raise money for a charity at the same time, then you should do it. Yeah, it's a great it's I mean, this is the best time to do it as well because I mean charities need the donations at the minute because obviously they're not going a lot of donations are going to the nhs and to other causes, well, great causes as well but yeah i think people don't really realize that there's all these other charities still there that need to be operating and they've got people to employ so no that's that's a great thing that you're doing so yeah amazing well they've all suffered haven't they during covid so uh they probably mm. need uh, need funds i would think more than what well, everybody needs funds don't they everybody suffered during covid but charities especially because a lot of people who have suffered as in pretty much everybody for them at the moment charity begins at home because they've got to live and so many people are struggling to even run around a supermarket and get the uh, get the food shopping yeah i i did a little fundraiser at the start of COVID, right, right at the very start of lockdown in march last year and i shaved my hair and i my hair has always been my thing <laughs> so i've always been a bit like I, I i love my hair i couldn't ever go without it I shaved it off and it didn't look too bad to be fair, but I, I think I raised about 500 quid for NHS. So, um, brilliant, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. It's, it's, it's good. It's good to do stuff like that as well, because it kind of, it, I think when you do, when you, especially when you're fundraising for a charity, it does make you, it, it gives you a little boost yourself personally, doesn't it? Because you're yeah, doing a good I've, thing. I, I actually, yeah, I have actually never done it on this scale. I think I've done the old little thing here and there, but to do a 31-day challenge where you are going to do this every day and I'm not going to fail any day because I know that, um, you know, it's uh, I think it's quite cool. A lot of people have said, oh, that's brilliant. Well done, you. And I thought, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going for a walk. I'll do it anyway. It's easy. And they go, no, well done. That's commendable. I'm going, is it? And I never thought that it was commendable to do something for charity. So I've, I don't know, I've hosted charity events and done loads of things and given my services for free or, you know, for a very, very minimal fee, like some travel expenses or something. And um I've done loads of that and never thought twice about that either. But I suppose if you are doing your thing and, and helping, you know, somebody else, then it's a good thing, isn't it? But I never think about it like that because I've always thought whatever you do or don't do in life, it's, it's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. So, you know, you hold a door for somebody and if they don't say thank you, then you just go, whatever. I mean, you might give a little sneaky jibe at them like, and you're welcome. But, um, you know, I just sometimes it, it bewilders me how just people aren't so many people just aren't pleasant. They're just not nice isn't a very good word to use, but there are so many people who are not nice. And I think there's nothing nicer than being nice because then people hopefully will reciprocate. And if they do, then you get a better buzz out of the day. I'd rather do something for somebody. I'd rather buy somebody a gift for their birthday than receive one from somebody because you just see their face light up if they like what you're giving them, you know, and if they don't, then screw them. You, know? you mentioned that again, like this is a bit of a tedious link, but you mentioned 
about five minutes ago that you if you were to be challenged with with say like the step count it might make it, it would put you under a little bit of pressure and you might feel a bit kind of oh I'm not too sure about that when you were presenting sort of the tv programs top of the pops fun house you've presented on radio one heart you, you're presenting now on greatest hits radio how do you personally deal with that pressure when it comes to presenting well i don't find any pressure at all in presenting and i don't want that to sound like oh it's so easy but um it's just what i do so you know I, i've stood on the stage at wembley stadium in front of eighty thousand people and i've um I've kind of done telly shows with huge audiences and bits and bobs. I think you just get on with it. I'm not saying that I'm not excited about doing this stuff because you always get a buzz from it, but I'm not particularly nervous about it. And um, I think that just comes from experience. When I did my, I mean, I'm going to turn 60 this year, but when I was 20, I did my first ever show on Radio 1 and I was on covering Steve Wright in the afternoon and he had an audience of around about 15 million people in those days because there wasn't many other radio stations. And... I went on and did that show and just went on and did it. And I probably wasn't very good. I'd probably cringe if I heard it back. But at the end of the day, I went on and did it because that was my opportunity. That was my chance. And I thought you may as well just go and grab it and do it properly and do it as well as you can. So there's no point in being nervous, but you can be excited, which is a form, of course, of nerves. Yeah, I think sometimes excitement kind of is, is nerves, isn't it, in a way? Because you you have the same sort of feeling of adrenaline rush as you would do if you were if you were scared or if you were excited for something it's kind of like if you think back as a kid when you when when it's sort of like christmas time and santa claus was coming when you were a five-year-old and you get that little buzz and you'd also get that sort of scary buzz when if you're just about to go to school or something like that so it's kind of yeah it kind of like goes arm in arm i think yeah yeah i would think you're right i mean Everything I've ever been asked to do, I've, I've, you know, I probably have been nervous, but when it comes down to doing it, you don't want to show your nerves because you're a presenter. Um, you're a broadcaster, so you have to just get on with it and prove that you're cool as a cucumber. So you just do what you do, and hopefully it comes out the other end and people have enjoyed and haven't noticed too much that you've been going, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? You know, you hear people coming on the radio. It's quite funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. You hear them come on the radio and... um They'll say, oh, hello, Nick, I'm first-time caller. And someone like Nick Fry will go, all right. And, he goes, and they go, well, I'm a bit nervous. And he goes, well, don't be nervous. It's just, just you and me. And then they go, oh, okay. And then they have their chat. And they're only on the phone. They're not even in vision. They're not, um, they're not actually being paid for the job. They're not physically broadcasting. They're just, you know, um, they're contributing to the broadcast. So if you get nervous from that, then it's probably not the best job for you to go and move on and actually be the main presenter the guy behind the desk pushing all the buttons and doing everything else but also if you think about a tv show you know when i was doing funhouse and i stood there in front of the camera and that camera pointed at me and i said well here comes you know three fun filled games each one worth 25 points and then we'll have the fun car grand prix and we'll run around the funhouse and the winner will pick up on the power prize and blah 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 when all that was going on there was probably 40 or 50 people in that studio from cameraman to the, you know, the director and the producer in the gallery and the sound guy and the lighting guy and everybody else who made that show what it is. And that's before you got to me and the twins and the kids who were the contestants and everybody else. So I was just part of a well-oiled machine. So you're very rarely by yourself. Radio, a bit more by yourself. You're in the studio. Um, I have a producer, a young guy called Aaron, 
um, who wasn't even born when most of the songs that we play were hits, which is quite bizarre, but um, he's very on the ball and still knows what they're all about. So, you know, he'll help me out maybe with some of the technical side of things, should I need a bit of help. And um, But in general, when I open the mic, it's me who speaks and it's what comes out of my mouth that the listener hears. So that's pretty much a one-to-one situation. But um, the nerves, uh, you know, as I say, if they come across a bit more like this, uh, not really nerves, but sort of more upbeat and whatever, it's probably due to the excitement of the fact, the adrenaline, as you say, that's a good word that you used. It's uh, you get a bit of a buzz from from speaking into a microphone or looking down the barrel of a television camera. But these days, of course, you know, the public over the last 20 years or so has got really used to being on telly as well from all the reality shows and the big brothers and stuff. And, and you know, some of the members of the public, these guys from, I heard them interviewed this morning on the radio. I don't watch the program myself, but they're in this, um, uh, I think it's Married, Married, uh, First Sight, is it? Australia, something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't watch it, but apparently loads of people do here. And the guys who are on there have said, you know, they were just a couple who went on to a reality show like Love Island, similar sort of thing. And they're now famous literally all over the world, not just in Australia, but in loads of other territories because they are the loved up couple who got married and had a kid or something from this show. Um, they're not presenters, but they're super famous and in the limelight. So therefore they've got to act as if they are, I suppose, in a way, um, influencers, aren't they? They're, they're people who mm-hmm. are looked up to from people. And every time someone says to me something nice, like you said at the start of this podcast you know about you know childhood and, and knowing uh, that you could have fun coming home from school and chucking your bag down and watching funhouse and enjoying what you see or listening to me on the radio or anything like that or anybody not just me people like us have to be very grateful that people like yourself or any other person listening to this podcast who has enjoyed a presenter over the years for what they do we have to be very grateful that they do like what we do because without the listener or the viewer we would not have a job would we because we wouldn't have good ratings in what we do you know funhouse wouldn't have lasted for 10 years unless it was very successful but every year it was on it got more and more popular so um i'm very lucky that i've managed to do what i do i'm in my literally 30 it will be 40 years next year I'll, I'll, have, I'll have been doing broadcasting for and um i can remember when it was 10 and thinking wow that's a lot and then 20 and 30 <laughs> and now it's going to be 40 so you know i've had people come up to me at gigs you know girls younger than me and girls of, of my age you know and when I was sort of 25, you might get a 20-year-old girl coming up to you and go, can I get your autograph? Because they didn't really have cameras in those days. And you'd say, yeah. And then suddenly you've got girls coming and going, oh, would you would you mind if you did this? Would you sign this for my mum? And you're going, yeah. yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah no problem. And then now I'm going, oh, my grandma loves you. Would you sign this for my grandma? I'm going, oh, we're moving up the ladder. So very soon, you know, I'll be at funeral parlours doing my autographs and my selfies with people who are no longer with us. And uh, it's just um, life's rich tapestry as you move on. But I'm very grateful that all these years on that people are so kind and um, and so friendly towards things that I've done and broadcasts that I've made. Because when you're doing them, it's like anything. It's your job and you don't really think it'll leave an impact. When I did Funhouse and walked in there and made those shows, I never thought that people would be, you know, talking about it all these years later. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, Funhouse finished in like 1999. So here we are 22 years later and loads of people still absolutely love it. I I got sent a video today 
uh, from from a lady who listens to the radio station and she sent it to my instagram and and she built her kid who's like seven a funhouse in their house and this kid was crawling oh, wow. through all these things and it was a homemade funhouse during lockdown where she was crawling through tubes and into balloon tunnels and over chairs and under this and the dog was chasing after her didn't know what was going on and she was dressed in yellow and the other the other kid was in red with pom-poms shaking and she put the funhouse music over it and said my kid is obsessed with this she she makes us watch every episode on youtube and we've you know how who knew that it would last when i did it it was just my job that week i went and just did it for a week it only took me a week every year to record the whole series of funhouse that's amazing i think i think the thing is though is that I, you might be surprised that you're kind of people are still loving like funhouse and like i don't know like you you just come across as a a, a very very lovely guy and I usually say to people when I start these, I'm actually quite nervous because this isn't usually for me. I'm a writer, so I don't usually speak on anything usually. But as soon as you started speaking, it made me feel not nervous, if, if that makes sense. Oh. So I'm a, I, I was a bit like, oh, this is a guy that I've been watching on TV and listening to, to on the radio for the past 20 odd years is actually a really nice guy in person. So thank you. Thank you for oh. making me feel at ease. Well, I think what you've said there very kind of you to say so means that I'm doing my job well, because it's the equivalent of me being on the radio. So instead of me talking at you, I'm talking to you. So it's personable. I never go on the radio and say, hi, everybody. How are you all doing? Great to see you all. Uh, great, great, great that you're here. I'm not seeing you, obviously. Um, you know, great that you're, you're all listening today. It's not great that you're all listening. It's great that you're listening. It's mm -hmm. personable. It's one to one. It's all about taking a picture of somebody in your mind. So at the moment, I'm talking to Luke. So I'm just talking to you like a pal. And hopefully that's what I do on the radio. You know, you can do some links on the radio where you say, oh, my goodness, this song is fantastic. What a memory. And you become a DJ. But other times you can say, so yesterday night, my wife, she did. And you start telling a story and you just talk to somebody as if you are talking to that one person about the story from my wife, blah, blah, blah. And that's where it becomes personable and one to one. But I do think that if, if you haven't got that approach, then you will never make anybody feel at ease. So I would probably have stressed you out and you would have said, oh, I don't want to do this. Can we cut it short? You're horrible. You've had a really good long career. You've been doing what you're doing for a very long time now and very well, um, which we've kind of like covered already. But when you've ever faced any criticism in your career, and I can't personally think of any time that you've had anything bad said about you or anything in the newspapers how have you dealt with stuff like that because I guess people now are so easily accessible through social media and it, there's so many different types of social media that you can just literally hit the dm button and get in contact with I don't know one of your favorite celebrities and you and they get all kinds of abuse how did you kind of deal with it and how do you still deal with it now well, I think I'm quite lucky from a point of view that with social media, I've come out the other side of not really having a lot of abuse and getting practically, I think, zero. I think very few people. Um, I don't really remember getting it any other way either, to be honest with you. I mean, I can remember days when I perhaps forced myself a little bit too much on the public when my hair was a little bit long and I was on Noel's house party every weekend and then on surprise surprise with Scylla taking a you know a viewer to uh, to a to a concert or something and then I would turn up on um, um, 
you know, celebrity squares with Bob Monkhouse and then on this one or that one or at the Brits or doing something. And then we had the pop records out and we were in the charts and I was suddenly a pop star as well as this long haired DJ who thought he was probably a bit too cool for school. So I can remember sometimes getting a bit of abuse out of my car window when my hair was flowing in the wind. I think I had a convertible at the time and, um, you know, some lorry driver would, would come by and go, oh, you're a bit of all right, love. And they go, oh, it's that bloke. Oh, damn. I said, oh, sorry, he's here. Look at him. So, you know, I, not really nasty things or particularly hateful things. And I think if somebody did say something particularly hateful to me, as in like, yeah, you're an idiot. Don't like you. I go, I can remember in a nightclub, actually, this is quite a good one. Um, you know, at the time I was probably in my twenties doing my gigs and stuff. And, you know, most of the girls would come up and want to say hello because that's why you were booked to be there. And, uh, you do your, your autographs or they'd have a chat with you and they might do a photo if they had a camera. Cause obviously it was before phones, um, had cameras and, and whatever. And I can remember walking out and this guy pushed into me and went, yeah, I went, sorry. And he went, what are you doing out there? You know, what are you doing? My girlfriend. I said, what's doing there with your girlfriend? Who's your girlfriend? He goes, uh, she was out there. She's getting a bit close to you. I said, well, have a word with her about that, not me. And he just went, yeah, who do you think you are? I said, I don't think I'm anyone. Who do you think you are? I said, my name's Pat. How do you do? And he went, huh? I went, I'm Pat. And he went, well, I'm I'm John. I went, all right, John, nice to meet you. So what, what, what you do? You had a good night? He went, yeah. And he couldn't believe, you know, instead of me wanting to start a fight with him, because that's what he was doing, he had a chat with me. I took the time to chat with him for a couple of minutes. And then afterwards, I distinctly remember he went, oh, you're all right, you know, I thought you'd just be a twat, you know? And I said, no, I'm just a pat. You know, you spelt it wrong. And, um, you know, from there, we just, just gone fine. And, you know, he comes over every Christmas now and uh, we, we have lunch. Together. No, not that much, but we did get on fine. And I think he realized that what it is, is people's perception of people who do things. And there'll be, for example, me, I could look up to um, somebody at the moment, like Ariana Grande, What's she like? I don't know. What's Kim Kardashian like? I don't know. I don't know these people. They've got millions of followers and um, they are, uh, you know, fantastic at what they do. Well, certainly Ariana Grande is Kim. I'm not so sure what she does, but um, in general, these people are super famous. So I can have a perception of them as me, indeed, as people have had perceptions of me from them. But until you get to actually know somebody and speak to them, you shouldn't really perceive as to what they're like and, and make your mind up. You know, there'll be people out there saying, oh, I don't like that Jimmer Collins, you know, don't we don't know Jimmer Collins. I don't know Jimmer Collins. So how do I, how do I know what she's like? Get to know her, meet her, chat with her for a bit, and then see what she's like. Don't just get an idea from what she physically does out there because it might be the wrong idea she might just be doing that to earn a living actually meet people talk to them before you judge them so um i've never had that much abuse and i think it's because i'm a pretty happy go lucky guy as you said and i've always said as i mentioned earlier it is nice to be important but it is more important to be nice and i do make an effort with people the other day somebody stopped me when i was walking my dog and she just went oh my god i grew up with you i absolutely love fun you're amazing oh no, no no i went that's so kind of you thank you very very much i really am grateful hearing things like that is just wonderful i really made my day and i said it because i genuinely meant it whereas i could have gone yeah all right love you know i haven't got time for you i mean you know just move out of my way don't you know who i am uh, and there are just some people who just do it wrong and i think you've just got to be very grateful for every person who ever says hi to you and says that they like what you do or they appreciate you on the radio or they send you an email and if if, if they don't like you then you know you just got to go with the flow that you're out there and you're putting yourself out there and therefore people will maybe judge you if they feel like they want to be a keyboard warrior of some kind 
But I have to say, in the flesh, for many, 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 many years, right the way back to that guy in that nightclub, and there wasn't many before him either, I never really had a lot of grief. And uh, for that, I'm very grateful. People were just polite and kind. And uh, if they weren't, or you could feel a bit of trouble brewing, probably best just to walk away, really, and just say, have a good day. See you later. All the best. Keep well. You know, it's like anything. It's like if you... If you feel like you're getting into a fight with somebody and you don't have to be well known for this, if you're getting into trouble with someone, you feel like there's something brewing there, your best bet is to say, do you know what? I think this is getting out of hand. So I'll tell you what, I can't remember where this went wrong and why we're arguing, but I apologize. I'm really sorry if I uh, you know, let you down. And people say, oh, you pussycat, you just burned out. Well, do you know what? It's much better just to walk away, isn't it, and get on with your life rather than have some terrible ordeal going on and you end up getting you know someone pulls a knife on you or something for the sake of the fact that you were arguing just bow down apologize and uh, and then you know say no no hard feelings so i was in the wrong and let's move on all the best and, and if you can do that i think life will be a lot easier but there's so many people out there who can't bow down and they will always want to uh, uh, antagonize the other person so that's the issue so for me as far as the uh, the 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 thought pattern is concerned of having any grief i don't get any and equally i don't want to give any so uh live and let live glass half full once again this glass is overflowing it's been half full twice now which means it's completely full you can have a glass and a half in a minute i think yeah well that's what they used to say about cadbury's dairy <laughs> milk cadbury's dairy yeah, milk advert with a glass and a half in every pint wasn't it or something in every bar that's yeah, it glass yeah. and a half milk. it's probably a pretty impossible question to answer but how do you think that we can defeat the stigmas around mental health? So obviously there's a lot of stigmas around men speaking about their feelings, showing their feelings and kind of reacting to them in a way. So I guess a lot of men bottle their feelings up and just walk around, not kind of showing how they actually feel. How do you think we can kind of get around those stigmas moving forward? And I think they're getting better, but. Hmm. Well, I've shown some of mine in this just a few moments ago when I told you that I'd be very happy to apologize to someone if I looked like I was going to get into a fight and, and other people might think, well, you pussycat, I would have had a fight with him. You know, show how hard you are. Well, I think that's exactly the wrong attitude. Don't show how hard you are. Just show how sensible you are by not having a fight and not having someone draw a knife on you and you end up getting stabbed or something or losing your life from the fact that you have tried to be tough and you can't even remember what the argument was about in the first place take road rage for example every time you have a row in the car and you end up giving someone the finger and you shout and scream at them and they shout and scream at you and you're going you're in the wrong and he's going no you're in the wrong like that and then 10 minutes later you think so what actually was it why did i get in that who was on the wrong side of the road i can't even remember where i was it's all pointless so i think uh, you know any kind of stigma connected to to men certainly not uh, showing their their true feelings is the fact that you've just got to open up and be a little more uh or should i say a little less manly a little more um a little more fair weather rider you know Put, picture yourself on a big harley davidson but not necessarily every day in the rain and the snow but just in the sunshine so you're tough enough to get out there when the weather's good and it's safe but you don't want to trawl through the ice and the snow at the same time and be too tough so let everybody know how you are talk to people be conversational as i've said as well don't bottle things up and um that's got to be a way of uh hopefully making things better for for everybody in general hasn't it you've got to chat about stuff and um don't don't uh don't just sit there thinking well this will go away you know get on with it and uh 
and get out there. People will be very happy, I'm sure, to help you and to listen to you. If uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast right now has sat through the first, uh, heaven knows how long I've been talking, uh, then uh, you've certainly got um, got uh, good ears. So maybe you could be a listener for somebody else who needs your help at some time. No, that's really good advice. And yeah, I've I, indirectly, you've helped me a little bit too because we've just been speaking about stuff and I think that by speaking about stuff it helps massively and I think like you just said if people continue to do that it's only going to make things better yeah absolutely I mean there's a radio station out there you know that deals with uh, with issues for men who don't normally like to speak about things it's called men's radio station and that's the name of it I run it's not a a dynamic name but my friend Russ Kane runs it and uh, he used to do the flying eye on capital when I was on there with Chris Tarrant and stuff and um, he's running this radio station and they do talk about issues for men all the time and men call in and are willing to talk about it on the radio but they haven't perhaps been willing to talk about it at home so it's 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 a good thing here comes the fun stuff luke let's get it on bring on the twins i'll get them out the boot for you (laughs) so the first one is cats or dogs definitely dogs buster sharp love to chase a cat and i love to have a dog and uh, i would never have a cat sorry pussy people I've got a cat, but I won't. I won't take any offence to that. Well, <laughs> oh, Buster would like to meet your cat. Phone calls or text messages? Well, that's a good one. I would say after this podcast, phone calls are more important because you're actually having a conversation with somebody and picking up the phone, as I've done many times during lockdown, just looking through my phone and seeing people I haven't spoken to for a long time. I've picked up the phone and just chatted with them and said, hi, how are you doing? And they've gone, oh, wow, nice to hear from you. And so uh, even though I use text and WhatsApp a lot for work, I think a phone call is more important. And I'm sorry that was such a long answer in a quick fire round. That's fine. City break or beach holiday? Beach holiday, beach baby, beach baby, give me a hand, give me something that I can remember. (laughs) Bath or shower? Now, that's a good one. I have a shower every morning, but I love a bath. So if I can get a couple of baths a week at night, absolutely fantastic, especially with a candle as well, even though it does tend to go out when it uh, goes below the waterline. Plan ahead or take each day as it comes? I'm a planner. My diary is very organized, hence the fact I was here on time for the Luke podcast. A good book or a good film? Probably choose a film, but because my book's out at the moment, Rerun the Fun, My Life as Pat Sharp, published by Little Brown, available now. Uh, Slight plug. Um, Probably, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'd have to say in general for me, yeah, movie more than a book. I'm not a great reader, uh, but I have read my own book because I did the audio book. So I I got to read Uh, it then and and narrated it. And the final one is the morning or the evening. Morning person, absolutely. Rather be up and out and take the dog or take the car and even take the wife and just go somewhere and enjoy the day and enjoy the sunshine. Even if it's not sunny, I don't care. I'd just rather be up and about. And the evenings for me, they're okay, but I work so many late evenings with my job when it hopefully comes back to normal pretty soon after lockdown uh, that quite often if I get the chance to have an early night and then get up early, I would choose the day. But obviously sometimes I'm working till two, three o'clock in the morning and even then still getting up early, but just not feeling so great. I've been Pat Sharp on the Stress Sessions with Luke, but please don't hold that against me. Thank you. 
thank you so much pat you've been an absolute pleasure to speak to and yeah i've learned a lot of lot of you today which has been amazing so thank you very much well thank you luke you're very welcome keep well and safe and all the very best to you and uh let us know when it goes out and we'll give it a plug for you cool perfect thank you pat and yeah keep in touch i'll speak to you soon god bless mate bye see you later bye-bye Thanks to Pat for coming on the stress sessions. Based on our chat, I don't think Pat has ever suffered from a mental illness before, but it was great to catch up with him and find out how he's lived his life, how he thinks about things, and most importantly, what he does to keep level-headed, stay focused, and cope with day-to-day life in the celebrity spotlight. And what a bloody lovely guy too. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please share with your friends, family, or anyone who you think it might help. If you're feeling particularly generous, you can even subscribe and download the rest of the podcasts. You might even be able to leave a little review as well. On a side note, I'm not a mental health professional, nor are any of the guests that come onto my show. These podcasts are purely based on my own personal experiences and those of my guests, alongside some simple hints and tips along the way. If you're suffering from a mental illness, I've included a link in the podcast recording notes to some of the amazing charities that will be able to help you by offering their professional advice. Thank you so much again for listening to the Stress Sessions with me and Pat Sharp. And I'll be back again next week speaking to another great guest. See you then.